0: Okay, so uh, we are continuing our series this morning um, from a couple of weeks ago on characteristics of a godly family. Before we get into that, I just want to um, ask you a couple of questions whilst I get my wires sorted out. Um, if I say the word family to you, what, what, what sort of image is conjured in your head if I say the word family? Maybe it's, maybe it's this. you know, An idyllic family, your kids are smiling, there's no issues, you know, happy families. Uh, is that your... Yeah, maybe it is. Or, or maybe it's more like this. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to sort this out. Wait a minute. Right, that's better. That's better. Which is more realistic, eh? Um, well, how about church? If I say the word church to you, what what images conscious in your head if I say the word church? Maybe it's this. You know, all worshipping, everyone going for it, you know, some some great worship, focusing on God like we did this morning. Or maybe it's more like this. Trying desperately to stay awake until the end of the service. If I can achieve that this morning with you, I'll be happy. So, this series is looking at um, characteristics of family, godly characteristics of what it means to be family in the church. I mean, we, we want to explore what it is to be part of the family of God, because that's what church, church should be, right? It should be family. There are loads of stories in the Bible. Is that it? oh, it's gone. <laughs> there are loads of stories in the Bible which show how we as church, as family, together, can be family in a godly way, in the way that God wants us to be. Your experience of family may be positive, it may be negative. If I asked you in one word to describe family, I imagine we'd get a whole range of responses from awesome and loving to hurtful and backbiting. Families can give us joy, but can also, at times, give us hurt. Your experience of church may be positive or negative. If I asked you in one word to, to describe church, I imagine we get a whole range of responses, from awesome and loving to hurtful and backbiting. Churches can give us joy, but at times can also give us hurt. What God wants is a godly people, a godly family, who reflect Jesus to those around us, where we, as part of the family of God, long for God to shape us more and more into the likeness of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. So two weeks ago, I believe, I wasn't here, but I believe Richard Green started the series off by looking at forgiveness. Is that right? Yeah, excellent, that's good. I had to roll Uh, For the story of Joseph in the Old Testament and how vital forgiveness is to a healthy family. This week we are looking at being committed as part of the family of God. Being committed to one another. We're gonna do that by looking at the friendship between David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. We had a reference this morning already uh, by David. We're gonna be looking at 1 Samuel. So we're gonna be dipping into into that at different points. So if you have your Bibles, open them up at 1 Samuel 18. We're gonna start there a little later on and um, looking at different passages as we go along. To give you some background, the nation of Israel had its first king, King Saul, who was anointed by God through the prophet Samuel to lead God's people. Jonathan was Saul's eldest son and next in line to be king. Saul had a good start to his reign, but the wheels were beginning to come off as he went against what God said and went off doing things his own way. God rejected Saul as king and instead anointed David to be the new king of Israel. David was the youngest son of Jesse from Bethlehem and he was the shepherd of his dad's flock even though he had been anointed, he wouldn't take up his kingship until Saul, Saul's reign ended. Now Jonathan and David meet each other for the first time soon afterwards. And in fact, it's in the immediate aftermath of that famous encounter between David and Goliath. So we're going to have a read first of all of 1 Samuel 18 verses 1 to 4. It should be on the screen, there you go, behind me. As soon as he finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So David had just finished speaking with, with King Saul. He reported back on, on his, uh, his victory over Goliath, and there was an immediate bond between Jonathan and David. They said, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. They're strong words. David made a massive impact with Jonathan, and I think a big part of that was the strength of their faith in God. So foundational to being committed to one another is to have strong faith. Jonathan was a proven warrior, having defeated a garrison of the Philistine army at Geber. That's a place, by the way a place called Geba, in, in 1 Samuel 13, uh, and, but most notably when he, on a different occasion, attacked another Philistine garrison when it was just him and his armor bearer. 1 Samuel 14 verse six says, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, that's the Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Jonathan's belief that the Lord can save his people using loads of people, or just a couple of people, by many or by few, was clearly a view held by David, who, when the whole Israelite army was shrinking back in fear from confronting the giant Goliath, even Jonathan didn't offer to fight him. Have you noticed that? David stepped up to a winner takes all face off, declaring in 1 Samuel 17, The Lord will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, that's Goliath, into our hand. We sung that this morning, haven't we? The battle is the Lord's. It's roaring in power and fighting our battles. David and Jonathan firmly believed that truth. Both Jonathan and David not only utterly relied upon God when the odds were stacked against them, but they gave all the glory to God when they won their victories. Jonathan saw David step out and beat Goliath. He heard him report back to Saul and he immediately felt a strong bond with him. I think that Jonathan found in David a kindred spirit. Witnessing people step out for God is inspiring. Hearing how God is working in many of you is really exciting and inspiring. Hearing how the Holy Spirit is empowering you to take steps of faith is inspiring. It's why we love to hear stories of what's going on in the church. Because they build faith. They build faith. Well, if if you can do it, why can't I? If I get up at half six in the morning, why can't you? No, that's fine. I'm joking. Although feel free. Stories encourage us to have a go. They encourage us to have a go. And that builds strong bonds between us as we hear our different stories. That's why I encourage you. Keep on doing it. Keep stepping out. Keep following those promptings of the Holy Spirit. Inspire each other. Look at the the response of Jonathan's armor-bearer when Jonathan said they were going to attack the Philistines with just the two of them. He doesn't go, whoa, what are you doing? You're crazy. He responds with, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. What a great statement of commitment that is. This strong bond translates to a strong love between Jonathan and David. We read that Jonathan loved him, loved David, as he loved himself three times. The text says this in 1 Samuel. Straight away we can see that the commitment David and Jonathan have for each other, which plays out in the chapters to follow, is founded on the two most important commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. In Matthew 22, Jesus concludes, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. First and foremost, being committed to each other in church, in our church family, flows out of loving God and loving each other. Loving someone as yourself. This means wanting the best for others as we want the best for ourselves. It means treating others as you yourself want to be treated. The strength of of their love for one another is seen further on in David's lament for Jonathan after he's been killed in battle. In 2 Samuel 1, 26, David says this, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Jonathan was like a brother to David. It's clear that Jonathan had a massive impact on David's life who received from him a love that was stronger than anything else he experienced. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We are called to love each other and stand alongside each other as brothers and sisters and to do so with the love of Christ. And a big part of loving someone with the love of Christ is strong sacrifice. So going back to the story, after Goliath was toppled, Saul made David head over. Saul made David the head of the Israelite army. And as the story develops between chapters 18 and 23 of One Samuel, David's successors see Saul become insanely jealous. And Saul tries to have David killed. Jonathan defends David. you can read about this in 1 Samuel 19. But when Saul tries having David killed again, David comes to Jonathan in desperation they come up with a plan to find out once and for all if if Saul actually wants David dead. David goes into hiding for two days and Jonathan explains his absence to his father who flips out, as we'll see. We're gonna read from 1 Samuel 20, verses 30 to 34. Again, it should be on the screen behind me. 1 Samuel 20, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan And he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse, that's David, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled a spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom can be established. Saul knew it. Jonathan knew it. In supporting David, Jonathan was giving up his right to the throne. And the thing is, he would have made a fine king. He was a warrior in battle, a man of excellent character. But he recognised, maybe even from that first meeting, that David had been chosen, anointed by God, to lead Israel, to be their king. Being a committed part of God's family is being committed to each other's betterment. Now, I'm not sure that's a word, but I couldn't think of a better word. (laughs) to each other's betterment. You know what I mean by that, don't you? I, it's, yeah, to sort of wanting each other's betterment. <laughs> I'll get to the source later on. Even when, perhaps particularly when, that betterment comes at my expense. When it means that I miss out. Even if, even if it's something that I think that I had the right to have. Now, I'm not a fan of The Apprentice, the TV show. Anyone watch it here? No one, excellent, or a few people perhaps. So, from what little little I've seen, it's a group of people who are all vying to become Alan Sugar's latest apprentice in one of his companies. There's one place up for grabs. Each week they have to prove how good they are through whatever business challenge Mr. Sugar sets them. And at the end of each episode, they all sit down in the boardroom in front of Mr. Sugar and his cronies. And as far as I can tell, they spend that time trying to take credit for the good things that went on and blaming others in the room for the things that went wrong. And at the end of each show, Mr Sugar fires one person. I thought I'd practice it, but no, it's just... Until one person remains at the end of the series. Everyone on the show is trying to make themselves look good and trying to make others look bad. That's what the world's like. We're told, if you want something, go and get it make yourself look good whilst you're at it, make others look bad maybe you feel overlooked maybe you feel that you paid your dues I'm next in line, I've earned the right God doesn't work according to the world's logic God's logic is about anointing who is he Who is he, earmarked to be the next Whatever it is, there's no right of succession with God. It's about anointing. We have a choice in how we respond when we see someone getting that opportunity that we wanted. We can respond with jealousy. We can complain. We can hope that the person who got the gig messes up. We can even try and make that person look bad. I know I've had that attitude before where, out of a place of insecurity, I've sort of hope that someone might do a bad job at something that I thought I was good at, to either justify my view that it should have been me, or to make me look better because they've made a mistake. You know what I mean? maybe, Maybe we've all done that at some stage. Or we can have the attitude of always looking out for the betterment of others. I'll start that again. Or we can have the attitude of always looking out for the betterment of others, even if that means I miss out we can celebrate and support those who get the opportunity that's really important Jonathan understood it was better for the nation of Israel that David should be king even though he was was perfectly qualified for the job but he knew that David should be king he recognised God's hand was on him and with massive humility and not an ounce of resentment he effectively said to himself you're fired I can't really do it I thought I would got all of you to do it, but then I thought that might actually influence my self-worth, <laughs> so I won't. But he put the needs of the nation and God's will ahead of his own desires. This feeds into the next way in which we can be committed to each other as a family of God. Strong investment. Now this is not picking out a wise investment in Mr Sugar's <laughs> latest company in stocks and shares or what have you, but it's investing in each other. It's seeing something in someone and giving something of yourself to them. After Saul's fit of rage, David is on the run. When he's in the wilderness, Jonathan comes out to meet him. I'm gonna read in 1 Samuel 23, verse 15 to 18. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Haresh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh and Jonathan went home. Jonathan is David's advocate. He spoke up for David. Twice he defended David in front of his father. The second time risking his life. If he hadn't, David would not have been able to step into his calling. Jonathan actively stood alongside David, strengthening him and reminding him of his his calling, reminding him of his anointing. You will be king. You will be king. And he pledges to play an active role in David's kingdom. We must invest in each other, we have to. It involves a number of things, including recognising, gifting and anointing in somebody else, and calling out of them, speaking up for them, strengthening that calling in them, and standing alongside them in good times and bad. Bob's word earlier about um, snapping, snapping the chain of, of silence, I've I, I got a bit of an image of, of being gagged. You, you know, like where it's, you have something around your mouth and you can't speak. And whilst it does happen, I think we can get a lot better at calling out and encouraging, gifting and anointing in each other. And I wonder if we just back off sometimes for fear that we might get it wrong, for fear that the other person might get offended or upset, or it, it's probably not the right time, I just want to encourage you, if you see something in someone, go, go and talk to them, go and, go and encourage them, go and say, I've got this on my heart, and it might be right, it might be wrong, it doesn't really matter if it's right or wrong, the point is you're, you're encouraging that someone by speaking into their lives, I just want to encourage you to do that, likewise, if you, if you don't know your gifting, if you think, I've no idea what God's called me to do, I've no idea what God's given me, then ask. Ask God, but also ask your family here. Ask ask people to to pray with you, to stand alongside you. Don't sit there waiting for God to download something to you when somebody else out there might have a word for you that could really encourage you. Part of this is that we need more leaders. Don't count yourself out. We heard before from David that David, who would be king, was assumed not to be a leader. He was young, age. He was the youngest brother. His occupation was a shepherd. It's not particularly glamorous. He wasn't on the radar of his dad or the prophet Samuel. As we heard, I've got it written here, David. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. You are a leader if you are open to the prompting of God. You are a leader if you obey and go with the prompting of God and in so doing, influence others. In giving up the top job, Jonathan showed his leadership qualities. A few weeks ago at North, Ian Richards preached uh, on Acts 1 and 2 uh, and reminded us that at Pentecost, even though it was Peter who preached to the thousands in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit was first poured out, the other 119 or so people in that upper room didn't lead them to it. They were there with him. They were speaking in in tongues, in different languages, as the Spirit gave gave them gifting. We don't know most of their names. They weren't on a platform, but they were leaders. Investing in each other also involves growing each other in our walk with God, wherever we're at. There's a multitude of ways here, from helping each other understand the Bible, being accountable to one another, encouraging each other, praying together. And again, it's just that, that encouragement from this morning is don't be silent. Speak, give each other words, give each other, pray for each other. Get into a prayer triplet, get into a midweek group. If you're not part of a group, what I just really encourage you, be part of one. Have a chat with someone on the, on the desk out there afterwards, if you're not part of a group. If you aren't receiving from anyone or giving into anyone at the moment, and you're part of our family, why not? Why not? We want you to grow in your relationship with Christ and to step into what He has for you, which will benefit us all. Finally, to be greater committing to each other in our church family, we need strong commitment. It's not a great surprise. <laughs> so, apologies if you don't like football, um, but next Saturday, I think, is the Champions League final. between Liverpool and, and Tottenham. Now, I won't, I won't labour the point, um, but the semi-finals a few weeks ago, both Liverpool and Tottenham were, were dead and buried. Uh, they, they were way behind. Liverpool were 3 nil down, Tottenham were 3 nil down at half-time in the second, second game against Barcelona and Ajax. They were so far behind that no one gave them any hope at all. I was quite pleased, anyway. <laughs> Defeat was inevitable, but they turned it around. They turned it around and extraordinarily won their semi-finals. And the outpouring of emotion, of passion, of joy at the end of those games was extraordinary. Now, this isn't a comparison of the passion we show for Jesus compared to the passion we show for our football teams. It's not about that. It's about the commitment, the commitment to the players, In a seemingly hopeless situation, they played with such such desire, with such togetherness, with such belief that they hauled themselves back into the game, back into the tie, and ultimately to victory. The commitment of the fans who got behind their team and roared them on to the extent that their team could ride a tidal wave of support, knowing so many people were willing them on. There's a song that I'm going to read the lyrics for. I'm not going to sing it for your own benefit. I'm going to read the lyrics which I never thought I'd do. I did it at North two weeks ago and uh, that was fun. But the the lyrics are great, they're so good. Just, 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 Just listen to them. When you walk through a storm, listen to the words. Hold your head up high. And don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of a storm, there's a golden sky. And the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on through the wind. Walk on through the rain. Though your dreams be tossed and blown. Walk on walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone you'll never walk alone Hebrews 13.5 says I will never leave you nor forsake you that's a promise from God that he won't abandon us He'll never leave us, that we never walk alone. But I think we should be able to say that to each other. As a church, as a family, we should be able to say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will never give up on you. Whatever you're walking through, you will never walk alone. David, David was in a desperate situation. The king wanted him dead. The only person he could turn to for help was the king's son. Read 1 Samuel 20 for the full account. There is such anguish and fear as they try and work through this awful situation. Jonathan doesn't know what to do and can only say, after they've run out of options, whatever you'd say, I will do for you. Whatever you say, I will do for you. What a great statement. Jonathan's attempts at reassuring David have floundered and all he's left with Whatever you want, I'm there. I'm in. Going through difficult times, which we all do, and I know know some of you here are doing that right now. We just need to be there for you. Make sure that you know that we're there for you, no matter what you need. As a church family, when, when life sucks, basically, we need to rally around, pull together and offer support. And I think we do this really well. I think as a church family we do this really well. There are loads of examples of this. I was speaking to, uh, to a chap called David, uh, who's one of the people we've come to know through the face-to-face ministry. Uh, and uh, he's, he, he goes to Northside now and he came on the Alpha Course, um, which, is just, which finished a few weeks ago and he said to me this week that he's been to many churches in his life over the last 25 years or so all around the country he said over 100 churches and this church is the first one that he's found where he feels part of a family where people show him genuine concern and show genuine interest and great, I was so encouraged by that I was so encouraged by that but we also know that this isn't always the case. We do miss people, we do miss you. We have a way to go. Ladies, next Saturday, you saw it before. You go into the I know what is it? a meal? Yeah, okay. Lunch. Lunch. Great opportunity to have some fellowship together, get to know each other better, maybe build up some support networks. Be there, be there. Men. Every third Wednesday of the month, half seven to half nine, it's a men's event at Northside for all men. There's lots of men here. Get get along to it. 19th of June is the next one. Again, let's build up some support network here to, to support each other. Become part of something at this church, whether that's weekly, fortnightly, whatever regularity it is, become part of something. This is a harbour behind Free Sea, the Free Sea ministry, that no one's left out, that everyone's connected in as part of the community that is All Nations Church and are cared for, that we commit to one another. We're not called to do the journey of faith alone. To be able to say to one another, as David said about Jonathan, your love to me was extraordinary. We should be able to say that to each other. Your love to me was extraordinary. When I, when I went for that hard time, your love to me was extraordinary. When, when you, when you t- sent me that WhatsApp or that text and you keep on offering encouraging words, your love to me is extraordinary. Jesus said, said this to his, his disciples the night before he was crucified. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have a love for one another. Jesus' love for me, for you, is extraordinary. That's not a newsflash. You you know that. His love for you surpasses anything you've ever known. Jonathan loved David as himself. We are called by Jesus to love one another as Jesus loves us. To commit to one another is to love one another, to do so sacrificially, to put others' needs in calling ahead of our own, to build each other up, to encode each other with words, to walk alongside each other in all circumstances. It is to be united. This is what it means to be committed to God's family. Why is it important? Why is it even important? People will know that we belong to Jesus when we do this. To be able to hear from those who don't know Jesus when they meet you, when they come across our church family, to be able to hear from people that their love for each other was extraordinary. Their love for me was extraordinary. How wonderful that would be. Even this morning uh, as we were out on the streets with David and Don, just the opportunity to meet some new people uh, and and to say, how are you getting on? Can I pray for you? Some said yes, some said no. But they saw, of all nations, the little hivers vests we have, they saw who we were and they saw a bit of what we we're about, and it's just, they just got a little, little inkling of of the love of Jesus. Jesus also prayed that they may all be one, just as you, Father, and me, and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That the world may believe that Father God sent Jesus. For what? For rescue. Rescue from the stuff we've done wrong. Rescue from shame and guilt. Rescue from hopelessness. You see, Jesus died on the cross for you. In your place. He's so committed to you that he sacrificed himself. He gave up his life for you. He's so committed to you that he invested in you calling you away from a life without him to a life of following him, life in all its fullness. He's so committed to you that no matter what you're going through, no matter what battle rages around you, he's right there with you, reminding you of who you are and reassuring you that you have victory in him. Extraordinary love. If you don't know Jesus, the invitation's there. The invitation's there. You can make a commitment to him this morning. Jump in. Have a chat to me afterwards, or Paul, or Rich, or anyone. Jonathan and David made a covenant, a pact, an agreement, that the Lord would be the centre of their friendship. This was no casual friendship. This was no take it or leave it, or only when, only when it's convenient for me. There's intentionality there, a commitment for the long term. I'm going to, as we close, I'm going to read out a sort of statement and... If you agree with what I say, then I'd like you, if you're able to, to stand. As an acknowledgement of that. At the same time, kind of the worship band back up, please, as well. Thank you. To love one another. To do so sacrificially. To put others' needs and calling ahead of our own. To build each other up. To walk alongside each other in all circumstances to be united as All-Nation's Church. If you're on board of that, if you're in, and if you're able to, could you stand? Last week at the, at the conference we had, um, we heard Dave Devonish talk about mission, and I scribbled on my on notes as we worshipped. For mission. We are a community together for mission. And this might be noisy, Dave spoke last week about um, the, the, the river, the prophet Ezekiel, and the river flowing, flowing from the temple. And the angel showed Ezekiel and walked him along the river. Uh, and out of the temple, it was, it was ankle deep. And as he got further away from the temple, knee deep, waist deep, until he could no longer stand up in the river. The further the river got from the temple. And I'd like to invite you now, and if it, it might involve you pushing your chair in front of you forward, and that's fine. But if you want to take a step deeper into the river, it doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're ankle deep, whether you're waist deep, whether you're not even in the river at all, I just want to invite you to take, to, as a symbolic gesture, as a, as a symbolic act, Step into mission, because we are a family together, not just to be family together, it is for mission. And as we go out into Bedford, as we go out into the UK, as we go out beyond the UK, that river gets deeper and deeper and deeper. We are resourced for it. And as a a symbolic act, I would like you to, pushing the chairs forward if you have to, just take a step forward as a symbolic act of, I'm in, I'm up for mission. Family, yes. Mission, yes. I'm stepping forward now. Lord God, I, I just thank you so much that you've, you've made it in such a way that you are glorified through your family. You are glorified through your church. And, and the way for the world to be rescued is through your body. Lord, I pray, would you bring us together, would you bring us into a a deeper commitment to each other for the purpose of mission, for the purpose of reaching out to those around us so that they would know, they would look at us and say, your love for each other is extraordinary. I want a piece of that. Where walls need breaking down, Lord, I pray, break down walls. Where there's passivity, may we shake it off. Where there's fear, may may go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.